Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, Three Parts of Faith. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight we're going to talk about something that we've already been through this in principle. But when we were sharing with this man last night that got saved, I saw some things clearer, I think, than I've ever seen. And even though we've talked about some of this, I believe that it ought to really help us and put some things in perspective. I've been meditating on this today. Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Praise the Lord. Now this right, I'm not going to try and stop too long on this, but i got to say a few things along the way, amen, because this is really important. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. There's a lot of people who say, I believe it when I see it. Well, you aren't operating in faith when you do that because faith is the evidence of things not seen. When you can see it, well, then it ceases to be this kind of faith that it's talking about right here. Amen? So God's kind of faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. Substance means material. Just like his house is built out of substance. Faith is a substance. And did you know this is uh, this is something that blesses me? Like we were talking about Al and Wilma, about how the faith they released months ago is working right now. That's because faith is a reality. It's a force. Everybody understand all that? It is not just uh, attitude. It is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. But it is an actual spiritual reality and force. And when you release faith, Faith will stay on the job and faith will continue to work until it moves the mountain. Until it does whatever you're believing for if you don't waver and if you don't retract your faith. And something that a lot of people haven't realized is that they run into problems and they wait and release their faith at the exact moment, see, that they confront the problem. And that's okay if, if you know you've made a mistake if you haven't seen it before, but a better system than that is to sit there and operate in faith continually, to live by faith, to manifest faith 100% of the time. And as you do, the faith that you released a year ago, you see, when you run up against the problem, it'll be functional for you. Like what Al was doing today. You see, it may have looked like it was simple. Man didn't see Satan fight him in any way in particular today. But I guarantee you, he was fighting a long time ago, and the faith that he released back then was functioning today. And a lot of people miss that. They think, why did it work today? Well, if it's working, it's working because of faith. And faith is an active force. The faith that I've released years and years and years ago is still productive for me today. Amen? Because I have not gone back on it because I'm standing there and it's working. Hallelujah. And so anyway, that's a kind of a sideline, but that's good. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand now, that's not the end of that sentence, but you take that little phrase right there. And faith is the way you're going to understand everything. If you sit there and try and figure all of this out with your little finite mind, you're going to miss it. But if you'll sit there and simply release faith, you can perceive the things of God. You can get an understanding of God's Word. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, he didn't say that things which are seen were not made of anything, which I, I used to take it that way. I used to take that they were made out of nothing. That's not what it says. They were made out of something. They were made out of faith. Amen? 
They were made out of God's very nature. Faith is a reality. It's a substance. It's not a physical substance, but it is a spiritual substance. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now see right there it's talking about that Enoch's faith is still operative even after that man's dead. You know, a good example of this, I don't know if you've ever read this or not, but over in 2 Kings, I'm not sure the exact chapter, I could find it later, but Elisha, after he was buried, they buried him in this cave. And one day they were having a funeral procession and they were bringing a man along and they were getting ready to bury him. And as they did, the enemy came down upon them, a band of, the, of uh, enemy soldiers, and they got afraid, and they just got this dead man, and they threw him in this tomb, in this cave. They buried him in the cave, and they threw this dead man in there and took off. And the dead man, when he touched Elisha's bones, was resurrected from the dead, got up and ran off with them. <laughs> Were you all aware that's in the Bible? That's pretty good, amen. And there was enough power in that old prophet's bones, amen, to resurrect a man from the dead. And people think, how can that be? But that's because faith, even though it's not a physical, tangible force, it is a real force, it's a spiritual force, and brothers and sisters, it doesn't stop until you stop it. As long as that man had a bone that the faith had been flowing through, I guarantee you that bone would still radiate some of that anointing. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Praise God. Boy, if you could get that concept about your faith and see that it's a real force, then you'd understand a little bit about the doctrine of laying on a hand. Amen? Did you know in Hebrews chapter 6 it says that there is a doctrine of laying on of hands? How many of you ever heard sermons preached on laying on of hands? Huh? Was there anybody? We ministered one down there in the canyons not long ago about the doctrine of laying on of hands, about why you lay on hands. And it's, it's kind of a long deal, but the basic principle that we're talking about is that faith is a reality, it's a force, it's a substance. And when you lay hands on somebody, if you know what you're doing, and if you're operating in faith, that faith will flow out of you through your hand into another person. It can be conducted just exactly as, as electricity would be. Or something else you rub your feet on the floor and go up and touch Al's nose, amen. <laughs> Bam. Well, you can do the same thing with faith if you're operating in faith. Lay on of hands. And if you'll understand that, you wait, lay hands on them until you're ready to release your faith. And the moment you do, the virtue will flow right out of you into another person. And then that can be done. That's the whole purpose of laying on of hands. It's not just a religious rite. It's a way of transmitting the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Anyway, in verse 5 it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. It's explaining the kind of faith that Enoch operated in, and it tells you some of the ways that faith operates. Now, I used to take this very verse, and I used to say that there was two prerequisites to faith. But actually, I, what I got to meditating on is that there are three things involved in faith, and one out of the three won't work, two out of the three won't work, 
You've got to have all three of these elements of faith functioning to be able to see your faith produce. All three, not two out of the three or anything else, but you've got to meet all three of these conditions. It says, first of all, that when you come to God, you've got to believe that He is. Believing that God is is like believing that God is there, believing that God is able, all of these things. That's the first step. The Scripture says, how can a man believe on him in whom he has not heard? In other words, if you haven't heard about God, if the Word hasn't come, and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, you've got no way to believe in it. Right? Y'all follow what I'm saying? Right before you were told about healing, and before you heard the truth about healing, well, then you didn't go believe in God for your healing. It's because you didn't know any better. Until you heard that that was available unto you, you couldn't release your faith for it. So the first step in faith is that you've got to believe that there is a God and you've got to believe that God is, that God is able, that God is sufficient. That's a necessary step. You've got to believe in the Almighty God, in Him being all-powerful. But that in itself is not sufficient. Amen? And you can apply this, first of all, we'll apply it to salvation, and then we'll take it and apply it to all of the other things in our Christian life. But just to believe that there is a God is not sufficient for salvation. It's one of the principles of faith. And a lot of people have been deceived into thinking that they were operating in a real, genuine faith, but it's only one part of faith, and faith doesn't work until it's acted on completely. But over in James chapter 2, verse 19, the Scripture says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? That is the biggest put down in the Word of God, amen? It really is. Somebody says, oh, I believe that there's a God. Well, big deal. The devils believe and tremble. But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Believing that there is a God is not worth anything by itself. Now, it's a necessary step if you use it and couple it with the other elements of faith. But by itself, if that's as far as you go, you'll go to hell believing that there is a God. And it's really important that people get this because there are many people, many, I'd say most people today right here in Walsh, Colorado, are taught that if they believe in God, that they're saved and that that's all it takes for salvation to go to be with the Lord. But that is not true. It takes more than believing that there is a God. Amen? Because the devils also believe and tremble, but they haven't acted on it. So out of Hebrews chapter 11, first of all, you've got to believe that God is, and then you've got to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So you've got to also seek Him before, even though you realize there is a God, then you've got to seek Him. See, in other words, there are people who believe that there is a God, but their life, has they have never put Jesus foremost in their life. They have never begun to seek Him. And you've got to start seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and seeking God, you see, before you face the work. Everybody get that? So you've got to believe that God is. Then you've got to begin to seek Him. And by seeking Him, I'm talking about your life. It has to be based round about the Lord. It has to be based upon Him. Amen. A true commitment of your life to the Lord. And then the third thing, it says you must believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So you've got to believe that God is, 
you've got to believe that God rewards you. I mean, you, excuse me, you've got to seek Him, and then you've got to believe that God rewards you. Now, an example of what we were talking about, one reason I got to thinking about this is because this man we were talking to last night, he believed that there was a God. And he was seeking God, I believe, was about everything he had. Matter of fact, he was seeking God to the point that it had just driven him nearly to the point of being crazy. He said that he thought his mind was messed up and all other kinds of things. And it came not throughout living in sin and doing things like that, but he was driven to the point of just giving up because he was seeking God. Now, that doesn't sound right at first when a person says that. You think, you know, how could that be? If you're seeking God, how could it be wrong? But you see, that's only two of the parts of faith, believing there's a God and seeking Him. And there's a third thing that I believe is probably the most important element of faith, the thing that most people miss out, and that is that you've got to believe that He rewards you for diligently seeking now, there's a lot of people who believe that there's a God, and they think that's all it takes for salvation. They're going to go to hell because the devils also believe in tremble. They have never made a commitment of their life to Him. And then there's a second group of people that believe that there's a God, and they really have tried to commit their life to Him through everything that they've heard that they're supposed to do. They live a strict life. They do all of these kind of things, and they're still going to go to hell because... They did not believe that God was a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You see, you, according to Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. A person can believe there's a God, and they could say, Lord, I'm committing my life to you. I'm seeking you. I'm doing everything I know how to do to seek you. And they could be sincere. But if they don't believe that God did, see, what He promised them that He would do in answer to them diligently seeking Him, they could go to hell believing there's a God, doing everything they can to come to Him. But if they do not believe that they receive that salvation, if they don't believe that God rewarded them for diligently seeking Him, then that's not faith. Everybody see that? That's a pretty strong statement. You know, that puts a lot of people that we know in a bad category because there are all kinds of people that know there's a God and they're trying to live a righteous, a good, a moral life, doing everything they can. But if you were to stop and ask them, are you saved? Have you been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb? Well, I want to be. I'm seeking it. I'm hoping. I'm trying. I'm doing all I can. All of those things may sound good. But if they do not believe that God rewarded them when they meant the conditions, they can die and go to hell trying to live a good, strict life. And we may think, boy, that sounds hard. But, but we can see it better when we look at a Muslim or a Buddhist. Some of those people live such a strict life. Some of those people, you've seen them on TV, burn themselves, thinking that they are doing God a service for giving their body to be burned. But they didn't believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I guarantee you, it's not just enough to believe that there's a God and to go about seeking Him, but you've got to seek Him in, in truth, is what the scripture says. Amen? And so those are three elements of faith right there. We can see that applying to salvation. That it's not just enough for a person to believe in God. It's not just enough for a person to try and seek God. But you've got to believe that when you believe in God and that when you make a commitment of your life to Him, that God rewards you for diligently seeking Him. And you've got to believe that you are saved. 
if a person doesn't believe all three elements of that faith, then it is impossible to please God. It won't work. Let me also say right here, before we get on some of this other, that there's a lot of people in religious realm that have been taught that you can't know for sure whether you're saved or not. That you just do the best you can wishing and hoping and praying when you get down to the end of the line you hope God accepts you. That's not Christianity. That is not the true gospel. Let's look over in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. He said he wrote these things so that you might know that you have eternal life. Not that you might hope so, not that you might think so, not that you might wish so or try so or do any of these other things, but so that you might know. And you can put this together with so many other scriptures. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, He that believeth on the Son hath life. Not is trying to obtain life, but hath life. Right at that exact moment. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's a reality right now. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says that he hath delivered us from the kingdom of the devil and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says that we right now are risen with Christ Jesus and seated in the heavenly places. Salvation is a present tense experience. And a person that is doing all of these religious observances, hoping that they are meeting the standards, but never believing that they have met them, and that God has accepted it, and that they are forgiven and accepted in the eyes of God. That is not salvation. Now, boy, if that steps on somebody's toe, I know that looks hard. I had a struggle with this because I saw so many people that were really sincere seeking God. And I just finally had to come to the revelation of the truth that the Scripture says that that's the way that it is. And sincerity and desire is not faith. And without faith, it's impossible to be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hebrews 11, 6, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. The only thing that makes us accepted with God the Father is faith. That's what pleases God. And your righteous acts, as good as they are, and as, as much as, you know, praise God that people are trying to live a holy life, they will never, never under any circumstances ever gain acceptance with God through their righteous acts, through their desire, through their seeking through their denial of themselves, through fast and prayer or anything else. Faith is what produces it. Now, a righteous life is important to support faith. A righteous life, fast and prayer are important so that you can build yourself in faith. But your righteous acts, your holy living, all of your great acts are not what makes you accepted with God. It's your faith. And if a person never reaches the point that they believe that God did what he, said that, what he said he'd do when he said that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If a person doesn't believe that, I don't care how much they try and seek and do all of those things, that is not salvation. So it's important that you see that. It's important for your own benefit. It's important also that when you're ministering salvation to somebody, 
that you minister that way. It's not enough just to go seeking the Lord. That's good, and that's an important element of faith, but it is not the end in itself. You have to reach the point where you believe that God rewarded you for diligently seeking. And if you don't believe that, then nothing's going to work for you. And, and what we were getting on just a second ago is you've got to believe that salvation is a present reality right now. Now, there's a big question. There's a lot of people that believe that you aren't saved until the actual moment that you exit this life. Well, there's a partial truth. We are saved right at this moment. Like it says, I know that I have eternal life. I'm already born again. I have the witness in myself. I'm not trying to obtain these things. I've got it right now. Amen? But I am continuing to be saved. Amen? I am saved right now. But because I'm saved right now, it doesn't mean I can go out tomorrow and say, man, I'm saved, I'm in, I'm going to go live like the devil, man, and enjoy myself. It's just like a birth coming to pass. A baby can be conceived, and, and from God's standpoint, regardless of what a medical doctor or anybody else has to say about it, when you're conceived in the womb, you are a human being. Amen? It's not right to abort the thing. That's murder. That's stealing life. And you can be conceived as a Christian. It can be a reality within you. You can have joint airship. But we are not brought to the birth, actually. It is not a completed work until we exit this life, until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And along the line, it's important that you hold fast the beginning of your confidence, steadfast unto the end. Now, you can't lose it because of sin. We've already been through all of this. If I'm dragging up something that somebody got questions about, we got some tapes in there, amen, that'll answer it. I hope I got them with me on the security of the believer. But you can't lose your salvation because of sin going out and doing these things, but you do have to retain salvation through faith. And if at any time you were to come and renounce the faith and say, I don't want it, willfully, according to Hebrews chapter 6, you could abort that birth. Everybody get that? That's a whole other teaching. Hebrews chapter 6 is where that comes from. But it's important that you realize these three elements of faith. You've got to believe, first of all, that God is, that God is able. Then you've got to seek Him. But those two, as important as they are by themselves, it will not produce salvation within you. You've also got to believe that God rewards you when you seek Him. Now, some of us would say, well, praise God, that's fine and good. I've already done that. But now, the Scripture says out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, that as ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, abounding therein with thanksgiving as ye have been taught. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And what that Scripture is simply saying is that the exact same way as you released faith and operated in faith to receive forgiveness of sins, you must operate the exact same way in the rest of your Christian life. So that means that if you had to believe that God was, is, if you have to believe that God, if you have to start seeking Him, and then if you have to believe that God rewards you, if you have to do all three of those things to be saved, then the same thing would apply to you receiving a healing right now. same thing would apply to you receiving finances, joy, blessing, prosperity, Victory, happiness, anything, see, that you're believing for, the same elements of faith will apply. So now, see, go back. First of all, if you're going to believe for something, let's just take healing as an example because all of us can relate to that. 
If you're going to believe for healing, first of all, you've got to hear the truth that the Lord God is our God who heals all of our diseases, like what the Scripture says. You've got to hear that before faith can even come. You've got to believe that God is still, not that God was. See, there's a lot of people today that believe that God was. Oh, I believe God was doing those things back 2,000 years ago. I believe that passed away with the apostles. I believe this and that. You've got to believe that God is and not the great going to be. There's a lot of people say, oh, I believe God's going to heal me someday. That's no faith. Amen. you got to believe that God is. And then you have to start seeking those things. In other words, you have to start basing your life on what the Scripture has to say about it. You have to start making a commitment of yourself to what the Scripture says about what you're believing for. And then the third thing is you've got to believe that God rewards you. And again, see, this is the whole teaching. This fits in perfectly with Mark chapter 11, verse 24, where it says that whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And the whole pivotal point of that scripture right there is that you must believe that you receive when you pray, not later, not some other time. You've got to believe you receive when you pray. Now, all of us have seen people, and I'm sure we've done it too, where you've prayed for something and you wanted it just as earnest and sincere as you could. Boy, ball and squall, beg and plead, ask God to do everything you could do. And you may have never meant anything stronger in your life, and yet you still did not get your answer. Amen or old me? Y'all understand that? I'm sure every last person has done something like that. I mean, with every ounce of strength you got within you, you desired it, you wept, you cried, you did everything you knew, and it didn't work. That's because, again, just believing that God is able and just seeking it is not faith. You've got to add to that the fact that you believe that God rewards you for diligently seeking it. You've got to believe that you receive when you pray right that moment. Amen? And that's an element, boy, that so many people have lost. They're asking, they're pleading, they're begging they're for all of the right things, but they are never just sitting back and saying, I've got it. They're wanting it, but never saying, I've got it. And boy, that is one of the most important elements to say. This man that we talked to last night, like I said, he had been seeking God. He really had. He had cried out. He had asked a lot of people, and he was miserable. He had turned about every direction he knew. And did you know, as we talked with him last night, I explained what we're saying right here about, you know, faith, what it was, and about how to turn things over to the Lord. And I was explaining it, and did you know he had done everything? He had done more than probably most of y'all had as far as seeking God. That guy was ready to chunk the whole thing. I mean, he wasn't going to go on. He had it pretty good position as far as the world went, but he didn't care about any of that. He was ready to chunk everything to be able to get peace within. He was really seeking but the one thing he had never done was just simply believe that because he'd been seeking God, that God answered and that he had received. See, he was still seeking and he kept saying, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? He was wanting to do something else. Is there any other way I can seek? But the one thing he wasn't willing to do is just to sit down and say, Lord, I can't do enough. I just believe that I receive. I believe that you did it all for me and I receive it by faith. And did you know when we shared that with him, it was just like a light went off on the inside of him. He saw it, knelt with us, prayed and accepted. And I mean, it was so evident to me that the same turmoil he's going through is what everybody's facing in some form or another. They may not be to the desperation point the way that this man was, 
But everybody, I mean, I'm talking about even believers right here, are going through the same struggle. You're believing God for something, believing God to prosper you, to take away your worry, your care, your frustration, your anxiety, your seeking. God do something, God do something, God do something. Your desire might be right, but have you ever sat back and just said that I believe that I receive? And say, I rebuke all anxiety, I got it, amen. I am set free. Have you ever just sat back and said, I quit seeking for healing, bless the Lord, I got it. Amen. You see what I'm saying through that? That's a principle that a lot of people have just flat missed out on. And there's a lot of well-meaning Christians that are seeking the right thing with everything that they've got, but they leave out the element of believing that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And this is the whole pivotal point to faith, is to believe that God rewards you. Amen? And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes when you're praying for something, and when it looks like nothing's happening, and a bill collector's still knocking on your door, and everything looks like it's getting worse and worse, Satan's feeding you with unbelief from every angle possible, telling you, uh-uh, it didn't work, it didn't work. God's not rewarded you. You aren't receiving your answer. And what you've got to do is stand there and say, it's working, it's working, amen. God rewarded me. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And you have to, in the same way as Satan hits you with unbelief, you've got to counter that with that much more faith, amen. And I tell you, what we're talking about tonight will push it over. It will push you into the victory side if you'll sit there and get established that I am not only seeking God, but bless the Lord, I have been rewarded for diligently seeking Him. And if you'll stand there like that, well then praise God, that's the difference between just seeking God and operating in faith and receiving your answer from God. Is that one little pivotal thing about believing that you receive right now when you pray, believing that God rewards you for diligently seeking Him. Praise God. Y'all see that? And I tell you that if you, if you will couple that with believing that God's able and then seeking God, and if you'll put that on the end, amen, and just go to believing that, that will push it over. If you remember when we ministered about praise, this is the reason that praise is so important because praise stays your mind upon what God's doing. God is just speaking, God, and wanting, Lord, I want this, I want that. There's nothing praiseworthy in that. You have to get over into the realm that praise God it's already done. And this is the place of victory in the Christian life. One thing that helped me tremendously along these lines is when I realized about the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God did everything that he has done or is going to do through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is not dying for anybody's sins right now. He is not healing anybody right now. He's not delivering people right now. It was already done. It happened through the Lord Jesus. The scripture says, by his stripes we were healed. It is already a past tense thing. In the same way as he's not dying for anybody's sins right now, he's not taking stripes right now to produce your healing. It's already a past tense thing. It's done. Amen? And all I've got to do is believe that God is, seek it, and then believe that I have been rewarded, that I've got it right now. And when I saw this about the atonement, it helped me to put things, see, in past tense like that. No longer striving to get healing, but believing that when I accepted the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got it. Amen? 
And now instead of trying to get it, I've got it. And I'm just standing here speaking the word, acting what God told me to, to manifest forth what has already become a reality in my spiritual realm. And boy, when you get that kind of attitude, it'll push you over. It really will. It'll take the striving and the warfare out of it. Just exactly like this man we were talking about. He was striving, striving, striving when he just sat down and believed that God rewarded him, that God had already done everything. He, he told us that this was the first time in weeks that he had felt peace, that that was the most peace he had felt in weeks. And it was simply because he quit trying and he just believed that it was done and accepted it by faith. There's a rest to the people of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? It really is. And the same thing can apply to us operating in all of the things that we're believing for. If we will recognize that it's already done, that it's a past tense thing, and if we'll just simply enter into it and stand our ground and say, I believe that God rewards me right now that I've got it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Uh, in First Corinthians, when it says, when it's talking about the, uh, in chapter uh, 12, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, it says, to, sound, uh, to one is given by the, uh, by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. I never understood why that is uh, defined in a separate way because to every man is given the measure of faith. I don't understand why that's listed in the gift. Well, I'll have to say this, that I don't understand either. Praise the Lord. I can tell you, I've meditated on this. I think I can give us maybe some direction, but I can't answer that completely. But I can say this, that even though we've got the measure of faith, we never realize the full measure of faith because we're learning how to release it. We, we release it impartial. Like, for instance, we've had this teaching, see, about we've all got the measure of faith. But you can release a large amount of that faith or a small amount of that faith. Everybody understand that? Even though I've got the measure of faith, it's not automatically released. It's released according to what I've learned through the Word of God, how I learned to act on it and things like that. So I can release a small amount of faith or a large amount of faith. I really believe that right now we're in the infant stage of the church. I really do. And I think that, the, you know, we're seeing great things. We've seen people raised from the dead. Bunches of you have been healed. We've seen some pretty powerful miracles. But nearly every one of them has been a fight. They really have. And I believe it's because our faith is in the infancy stages. And we have never even begun to tap and release faith the way that it's supposed to be. And so, in a situation like that, when I've done all I know how to do and I've acted on everything that I know how to act, I can call upon God and say, Lord, I need a gift of faith. In other words, my faith's gone as far as it can go. I don't know how to stretch it any further. I am just simply <laughs> believing for a supernatural gift to operate. In the same way, see, it's listed right there, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. If I'm ministering, I'm taking the principles that God taught me and I'm ministering to a person, I've told them everything that I know how to uh, tell them, and yet there still seems to be a problem and I know that that need hasn't been met. You aren't wrong to operate in your own understanding as long as it's been renewed by the Word of God. If you've renewed your mind with the Word of God and if God's taught you certain principles from the Word of God, you're supposed to use them. Amen? You're supposed to renew your mind and you're supposed to use those things. But there reaches a time where regardless of how much you renewed yourself, you still haven't renewed yourself anything like what you should and you reach a blank spot and you can't go any further. 
and you call out and say, Lord, I need a word of wisdom. I need a word of knowledge. I need the discerning of spirit for you to tell me what happens. And then, see, God right there will bring in a supernatural gift. Your spirit discerns all kinds of things. But there's certain times that you are not able to respond to it. You aren't able to function in your own spiritual discernment the way that you should. So you have to depend upon the supernatural gift of discernment. And I believe that that is the basic principle involved in the gift of faith. It's not saying that every person doesn't have faith, but it's it's simply the reality that you have not developed your faith to the perfect state yet, and there are times that you need to call upon God and believe for a supernatural gift to come in and take over where your faith is quit. And it can be done. And there are some people that have this supernatural gift. In other words, they are operating in a measure of faith that they necessarily haven't developed. It's been given to them. It's a supernatural gift, just exactly the same way as I like. I'm, I don't know all of the gifts that I got. I'm still learning. Amen. There's a lot I don't know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I know that I operate in a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge and discerning the Spirit just nearly all the time, which those are... are uh, Gifts that must operate in a prophet's life. For you to be considered a prophet, you've got to be able to operate in the word of wisdom, knowledge, and discerning the Spirit. Because that's tools of a prophet's ministry. And I know that I operate in those gifts, and I know that they function through me. I mean, they function to me through sometimes to the degree that it bothers me. <laughs> because the Lord shows me things sometimes that it just is, is strange. Some of the things that He speaks to me. And I mean, I know that it's not me. I know that it's God that gets it. And uh, even though all of us have a discernment and all of us can operate in wisdom, words of wisdom, knowledge, things like this, there's a difference in, in just being able to discern some things and stuff and having a supernatural gift that functions through you. There's a big difference. And so even though all of us have faith, there are some people who God has given a specific gift of faith that I mean their ministry is to go around and to supply a lack that the body of Christ has. Or they can go around and they can release their faith and their faith will work with nobody else's will because they're operating in a supernatural gift that's been given to them. Anybody get that? And answer any questions? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's real simple what we're sharing tonight. I'm not going to make it long. That's the basis of what I wanted to say. But it's it's really important. And if you would take that and apply it to your life, I think that you could begin to see a lot of reasons why you've sought and sought and sought that you haven't got. Because you've not only got to seek, but man, you've got to believe that God rewards you. That's the that's just like a definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It's really important. I've the Lord gave me a saying about desire is not faith. And I spring that on people and boy, that blows their mind because most people think that desire is faith. Well, I desired it. I wanted it. I couldn't have wanted it any more than what I did. How come I didn't get it? That's not faith, amen. Desire just isn't faith. And we've got to realize that. God doesn't move according to desire. God doesn't move according to need. God moves according to faith. Something I learned in a body situation that used to really bother me because I'd see people come in that I knew needed help. And I would covet earnestly, boy, the best gifts. I'd 
grown in the Spirit. I'd do everything, wanting God to meet those people's need, and they'd leave without one single thing seeming to happen. And I just really couldn't understand that because the Scripture says that He'd supply all of our need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I said, I don't understand that. I know there were people that needed something tonight, and they left and didn't get a thing. And Don Crow was up ministering one time, and he said, God doesn't move according to need. He moves according to faith. And boy, that just opened up my understanding. And I got to seeing that even though there are needs there, if there is no faith functional and present, God doesn't move just because you got a need. God doesn't move just because you're desiring something. God moves because of faith. That's what moves God. And brothers and sisters, we've got to renew our mind. I, we haven't been taught that, but that's the way that it is. And we've got to develop faith to a higher degree because that's the victory that overcomes the world. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333 Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.